and welcome to The Solve Network. My name is Shane Borza, and I'll be your host. Along with my co-founder, Benjamin Goss, we'd like to welcome you. Our mission is to provide solutions and create a network of experts for you to learn from. Now, this show is a little different than most podcasts, as it is actually a live call held twice a month. If you can, please join us on the first and third Thursday of each month so you can get your questions answered live and direct from the experts themselves. If you're an expert, please contact me at shaneborza.com so you can be a part of the network. And now, here's our show. Hi, I'm Shane Borza, a climber, creator, and coach. And I want you to build the skill of health and fitness. My new course is a priceless gift to you, and it's available exclusively on PonoQuest.com. That's P-O-N-O-Quest.com. Build the Skill is a minimalistic, functional, real-world fitness program which can help you to move better and get stronger faster. I can't wait for you to check it out. And when you do, please let me know how it helps you. That's Build the Skill at PonoQuest.com. Great. Thanks so much. That was really informative. And as I mentioned, I... I know a little bit about you and your practice, but I learned a lot, not only in specifically the realms of like neurofeedback and meditation, which is what you talked about today, but also more about you, your practice, your background, your kind of philosophy and how you came into the perspective you have on working with people and coaching. So that was, that was really great for me. And I think that people that don't know you will obviously learn even more because they didn't necessarily have any of that background or framework that I had. So thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. So we usually go to the end of the hour and do a discussion or kind of Q and a. So because we have a couple people here with us, if anyone would like to jump in and either say anything to Holly or ask her a question, I'll just open it up. And if not, I have a number of questions in the chat that I can start rapid fire asking you. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, I'm happy to have anybody who wants to jump in, just, uh, feel free to unmute yourself and have a go at, uh, talking or asking something. Hi, Holly. Hi, Shane. Uh, thank you so much, Holly, for your, for your presentation today. It was both, um, both informative with the, the science and, and also just very interesting to learn about your own, uh, journey. I think I've heard a bit of it before as well myself, but it's always good to get more of the the complete picture. Um, so thank you so much for that today. Uh, I guess my, my, my question was, um, if you had a comment on what it was like to begin your journey, right? So you had that moment where, you know, you decided to really you know, change your life or, or you'd really discovered meditation as this tool to really, you know, springboard you into this new existence. And I was wondering if you had a comment on, you know, was that always a very easy transition? Was it like a light switch, you know, meditation? Um, or was it, you know, did the drunken sailors uh, get in get in line pretty quickly? Were there a few, few stragglers? Um, uh, I always think, you know, the, the, the beginning of the meditation journey is always so interesting and it's always a point where many people uh, can sometimes fall off. Um, so I'm, I was wondering if you had, um, you're obviously very uh, successful in meditation. I was wondering if you had a, an opinion on what it was like to kind of start that journey and, and kind of get it going. 
Yeah, that's a great question. Thanks for that, Kiefer. So, and you're asking specifically about the meditation part of that journey, right? Right. Yeah. 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 So, um, I, um, I actually will credit, I'm going to credit Muse for the beginning, getting me over the hump at the beginning. So when I started meditating, um, I got the Muse. I, and I actually don't even remember like why I ordered it. I, that, that, the, the, what, that specific aspect of ordering it, I don't really remember. I must've seen an ad or something. And the first time I put the Muse headband on and could hear my brainwaves in my head. So for those who don't know, the Muse is this headband. Oh, I have one right here. So the Muse is this headband that looks like this. Um, you put it on like this. And, um, and in its regular way of using it, not the brainwave tracking way, um, when, you when you have sort of a busy mind, uh, it is, you hear a lot of rain. And then as you quiet your mind, you, the, the muse gets quiet. Um, and then if you're really quiet, you get birds. And when I put that thing on for the first time, I just was like, oh, wow. <laughs> it was really, that for me, that was really profound. I mean, I just, I thought it was awesome. And I thought that it was awesome that I could get help in meditating and, and understand what a quiet mind felt like. Because prior to that, I had a lot of, like, am I doing this right? Kind of feelings about meditation because I'd never had anybody really show me how. Um, and I just became fascinated with the Muse technology itself and hearing my brainwaves. Um, and then from that, I think I must have done it for maybe a month or two by myself. And then I actually got help. I got, um, I hired Cody Rawl as a meditation coach. Um, and that was another like key move, just getting some support. And um, actually I will say that this is something I, I didn't emphasize in my presentation, but I should emphasize. I mean, I'd heard this before. I'd heard other people say, if you want to begin the meditation journey, you know, don't, it's not something you should just try to learn yourself. You should have somebody who's experienced help you and show you. And I first had Cody Rawl and then I found the Raising Our Vibration group. And that I think is, was pivotal, just having support um, because I think it's, although it's surprisingly simple, it's not, it's, it's very strange that way. <laughs> um, so um yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that's what you just said is so true about, you know, the two things of a kind of having a real meditation experience, right. As you had with the muse and stuff like that. And then B also having support, um, in terms of a community or a, or a teacher. Um, um, yeah. and so I think that's, that's so helpful. And I think a lot of times when people fall off meditation, they are probably lacking in one or two or, or, or maybe both of those things. Um, yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. I yeah, exactly. And my analogy would be like, imagine if you walked into a gym, you'd never seen any of the equipment before. You had no idea how to use it. And somebody just said, okay, go exercise. And like, you know, it's really, exactly, yeah. Right. This is like a, you know, an expert meditation meditator when they're doing the story or, you know, whatever, you know, news article it is, is always showing somebody that's extremely proficient at staying, you know, an, an hour in a deep trance state and for, 
somebody starting out, that's just the most intimidating thing in the world to sit for five minutes, let alone anything else. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I was definitely for a long time, I was there. I was absolutely in that, in that same space, you know, I, I mean, it, like to me, when I think about that now I can meditate for an hour and don't, like, don't think anything of it. I mean, it's love. I love it. I crave it. And I remember reading books about people who did that and thinking, wow, really? That's possible? So, um, yeah, it's really intimidating when you're starting out. It's hugely intimidating, which is why I actually love working with people who are starting out because I feel like I I get that. I, I, I know that place. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, yeah. So um, thanks, Holly, thanks for the question, Holly. I would like to thank you so much, Holly. I'd like yeah. to, to thank you, Holly. Um, wonderful job on the review. We've known each other for maybe what year and a half through all this muse. So you did a wonderful job. It was good to hear, as as uh, as uh, Kiefer had said. There's parts that we heard, we knew about, but we never saw it in the the story that you led us. So thank you very much. That was oh, wonderful. Shane, I really appreciate you interviewing the, Holly's uh, journey. It was wonderful. Um, yeah, Keith, uh, Kiefer had some very, very good, uh, and I loved your uh, good questions from Kiefer, and I loved your your ship, the sailor with the... <laughs> that is, no, the the drunken sailors? <laughs> yes, that was my sailor's the fools have been on the deck most of my life and I, I like to poke my head up and think, guys, my question, my question for you is where in your, like I, I li- I've listened to you a fair bit now, now and then, Holly, and yeah. somewhere you've started awakening to there's more to the being that I am than this physical rushing mm-hmm. around and everything. What, how, what process and when did this start unfolding for you? Mm, that's such a great question. So you're asking, when did it go from just trying to calm my mind to this bigger awakening journey? Is that what yeah. you're asking? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So we have to wrap back, go back a little bit. We have to rewind. So my, my whole life, um, I mean, I grew up in a, in a Christian Jewish kind of combined household. And I would describe myself as a spiritual person who believed in kind of something else um, and read lots of spiritual books throughout my life and really connected with this kind of idea of there being some divine spark. And I could tell you that I didn't know what it was or, but that I felt strongly that there was something else there. So that feeling has been with me my whole life. I've always been very spiritual. And I actually went down the new agey path even when I was a teenager for a while. Um, and, oh, and then the other really sort of big moment for me was when I was six years old, I remember turning to my mom in the car one day and I said, who am I? And I remember like, like showing like, mom, who am I? And I was just like, captivated by this question of who we really are at a very early age. And what I didn't know or didn't connect was 
and I'd read Rumi and these, I mean, I'd read these ideas. And I remember as a teenager sitting and reading Rumi in my bedroom as, you know, 16, 17, 18. But I never really got into Buddhism or those traditions in any substantive way. And although I meditated, I never did that in any deep way. And when I started to go down this meditation path and really connect with my kind of inner sense of self, I, it was like the two worlds collided in this big, like, (laughs) and it was as though there was this like, Oh, (laughs) and then it was like the pieces just started to fall in place for me that I finally started to understand and connect with quieting the mind and is actually about tapping into who we really are, which is connected to this divine, this, this divinity. And then that's really what it's about. It's really an awakening journey. Um, and you have to, you have to stop the mutiny of the sailors in order to discover that, you know, the kingdom of heaven is within or any of the million, you know, number of different ways it's been said in all the different religious traditions about, you know, about our divinity within. And, so it's just and my you, own ignorance. Yeah, you, and you, you relate to that through the natural world as well. I think you've, you've said that. I do. I do because I've been really connected to the natural world my whole life. I mean, I, you know, became passionate about conservation at a really early age, which is why I went to work for the Nature Conservancy. So, um, yeah, I've always, you know, felt kindred spirits with the natural world my whole life, you know, just deeply devoted to um, the earth and all her creatures and feeling, yeah, passionate about it. Um, Not understanding all the connections, though, that I feel like I... I'm in a different space now with it. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, it's starting to sound like to me you're reaching that point where I am that which you are. Yeah, very much. Very, very much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I very much now through the, you know, I didn't go into this in my talk, but um, I've really gone down the Mahamudra, Dzogchen Buddhist traditions, um, and and this, these are in other traditions as well. But really, awakening to the interconnectedness of all things, um, and the awareness, um, the the awareness that connects us all, and that through meditation we can actually all tap into that, you know, become that I am that I am that I am yeah yeah that's right thanks very much Holly. yeah well spoken thank you thanks Bill and Kiefer those are both great questions and I'm glad you're here to ask them so there's a number of questions in the chat and I'm going to start by asking is there a difference between neuroplasticity and flexible thinking I have not heard the term flexible thinking. It sounds like a 
I mean, it sounds like a thing. Maybe this the person who asked that question didn't mean for it um, to be that way. I can maybe guess what it is. Um, but to me, neuroplasticity is really the science that is showing that our brain has the fundamental capacity to change this outdated notion that I certainly grew up with in the seventies of, you know, we have the brain that we had when we were, you know, a teenager and that's sort of set. It is so not that way. We have incredible um, ability and power to change our brains. Um, So I would think that, neuroplasticity can affect flexible thinking that having a more connected for example brain would would yield more flexible thinking but i don't um have any specific knowledge of that term so this might shed some light on that because the follow-up or the next one asked after that Mm -hmm. was can someone have a rigid worldview as to values and perspectives, for instance, and yet be flexible in other regards? So kind of like the two, I guess, at the same time. Mm. Can somebody have a rigid worldview and yet be flexible? What does it say? And, uh, but be flexible in other regards. Um, well, what does it mean to have, so like a rigid worldview, um, to me is somebody who is actually, so that a rigid worldview would be a thought or a belief. And so there's a really important aspect to not to stepping into flow which is about fundamentally acknowledging and allowing what's here um and trying to it's really bringing a non-judgmental mind to what's here and it doesn't mean that we wouldn't act you know there might be policies that somebody's enacting that you say, I'm not going to vote for those policies. They're not aligned with my worldview. Um, But we fundamentally stop the incessant need to categorize and bin everything that arises into bad and good. Um, And so there is some flexibility (laughs) There's a there's actually a mindfulness and a presence in 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 acting that way, um, and a lot just it's it's really a surrender to what is here now. Um, so I don't know if that answered their question. <laughs> That's a little bit of an esoteric answer, I recognize. So. <laughs> um. Uh, so th- this one is kind of in reference to some of the brainwave patterning that you were mm-hmm. showing. So it's, uh, what's the difference between how the brain physically presents itself, such as the brainwave patterns, 
and how one interacts not only with themselves, but the world around them. Mm. Um, interesting questions. So if we are, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's any more complex than if we are constantly in a beta brainwave promoting state, then your brain, you are more inclined to kind of activate systems in your body, like the sympathetic nervous system that is more heightened. Um, you're more focused. So beta brainwaves aren't, um, they're just, you're in a highly sort of more focused, attentive state. Um, and versus in say an alpha state. Um, so, or, or for that matter, if you're in a gamma state, you're in a kind of gratitude's flowing. You're very much in the moment um, in, in that kind of, actually those, those brainwave states are promote very much of a flow state in, in and of themselves. So I do think that when you shift your brainwaves, and I can certainly say, you know, feel this in meditation into these different states, I'll give you an example. Like when I, when I get into a deep theta state, I'll actually start to remember my dreams from the night before. Um, so they, they have a dramatic, I mean, you still, of course, decide how to act in response to that, but you can feel, I mean, you know, it generates certain feelings or, you know, thoughts um, from those states or a very, you know, thought calm state of being in the moment. Is there any way to predict what will trigger fight or flight versus peace and interaction in another person? Is there any way to predict what will trigger flight or flight versus uh, peace and interaction in another? Uh, <laughs> if I knew how big their amygdala was, I might be able to predict. <laughs> they have a really large amygdala. We'll say they might respond. <laughs> in a fight or flight easier. Um, so without knowing what their brain looks like and having a scan of that in front of you, um, I don't, you know, I might be able to read that in somebody just based on how their, their responsiveness, right? So when we're in a fight or flight state, we can be very agitated um, and we're on alert, but we could show signs of being kind of agitated. So you might be able to predict and take cues off of that. I'm not sure if that's what the person meant that was asking the question. Um, but intuitively, I can usually sense those people who are agitated about things that, you know, grocery store long lines or being out of toilet paper. Like, yeah, that's, they're reacting. <laughs> hmm. So when you were talking about the neurons in the brain, uh, the question relating to that was, what is brain density and activity? Does that mean there's more neurons connecting? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there would be more, more brain matter, so more neurons. Um, uh, and, you know, presumably there are more connections because there are more of them, yes. What's the difference between focus and allowing your true self? And then uh, they go on to say, uh, to like bring order to the chaos or to reduce the worry, the stress, you know, et cetera. Well, what's the difference between focus and accessing your 
yeah, allowing your true self, you mm-hmm. know, in order to kind of lessen all those negative, like depression, stress, worry. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So focus is really developing the skill of concentration in meditation. So this, and this is classically done in meditation by focusing on the breath, for example, um, or sometimes people focus at their third eye. Um, and it's just, it's bringing your full absorbed attention to that, to some, something. It, it actually can be, I mean, in the, in the higher meditative states, it can be just on the mind itself, but it's, you're, you're bringing your attention without um, lifting it, you know, without getting distracted on that one thing. And you keep returning to that, to focusing on the breath, for example. Whereas the other about watching your, I think they, they asked about watching your thoughts, right? Or being your, accessing your true self, you yeah? um, So that's really tapping into, in a meditative state, that's tapping into this, um, the, when we think about, so who is watching, who is watching your thoughts? You know, is your body watching your thoughts? Is there something else behind watching your thoughts? Um, So it's tapping into this all-knowing awareness that is, you right and it really starts to to go into the essence of the question of sort of who am i and there's a whole line of in of um meditative practice the inquiry traditions that are based around this fundamental question of who am i um and coming to discover that if you look within your body for a self it's unfindable there's no self there actually isn't a, a thing that is a self. Um, and so in meditation, when we keep asking that question of who am I, we, we did start what we discover is that there is no location of self um, anywhere in the body. And, and in fact, there is this greater knowing awareness that is the essence of who you are. And so in the meditative traditions, um, and there's many of them, um, Hindu and Tibetan, um, but it's really this sort of practice of watching your mind and feeling into um, your, it's like you're, you're feeling for, your, for the knowing awareness or the loving awareness that is all around you and within you. If there's a seamless field that is empty and full at the same time a boundless awareness that connects us all and um if if there is a i don't actually think there's a local awareness but there is this there is no location of self actually it's really coming to discover that through through meditation coming to discover this innate Aware, interconnected awareness that we all are. It reminds me of, I did martial arts a lot when I was younger and the, all, all the systems basically have, you know, you are, depending on how you look at it, either ascending or descending in the ranks until you get to black belt. 
Mm -hmm. You're either working up to it or down to it, depending how you look at it. But, but really, anyone who becomes a black belt, it's kind of like all those other belts are just you getting down all the basics. And now that you know the art well enough that you can kind of respond to any movement almost without thinking because you've learned all the positions. Yeah. Now at Black Belt, you're moving from beginner because you have the basis of all the different parts of the art into actually really doing the study. And that's where you're going into the levels of Black Belt. And so what you were just saying just really resonated with me because I'm like, oh, it's like the levels of awareness, the levels of knowing and learning how to, you know, how to meditate is really just the basis for then doing the deep work. And it takes all of that background study to get to the point where you're beginning the journey because you've now mastered all of the, you know, I know how to breathe. I know how to sit quietly. I know how to empty my mind. I know how to do these things. That's just the beginning. Right. But yeah. From yeah, the outside, that's... you know, oh, I want to get a black belt. That's the goal. Well, well, no, literally you can get there, but then that's the beginning. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, that's, that's very well put. Uh, and I think that's a great analogy, Shane. And it makes me think about in, um, in the Tibetan Buddhism tradition, they talk about coarse, coarse mind and subtle mind. And so what you're talking about is like all these aspects of um, being able to get the posture right and learn to breathe and learn to settle the mind and concentrate are all part of kind of dealing with the coarse mind. Um, and once you've mastered those, then you start to notice the subtle mind. And that's where this awareness starts to open up. In um, It can be hard to feel the subtle mind when you've got monkey mind bouncing all over the place. Um, and so that focused attention is, is one of the ways to kind of try to rein in the coarse mind um, so that you can tap into the subtle mind. Yeah, and becoming aware of where your attention is. I think a lot of us don't even, you know, we're not even aware of where our attention is at any moment. And so you, it's really a fundamental training about where is your attention? Where are you? Where are you now? Where is your awareness now? How would you recommend that someone ask, you know, someone who doesn't understand or believe meditation, you know, how can you support them in their effort to pursue uh, self-reflective awakening? And then they have a follow-up, like, does meditation have to mean being quiet, closing your eyes and saying, oh. Mm. Um, so how to, this is somebody who wants to help, help somebody else. Yeah, either support someone else or, or have someone support, I guess, them. Yeah. So um, that's a beautiful question. I think that it does not have, it doesn't have to be sitting doing OM. Um, and one of, the, one of the resources that I would point them to is somebody named Locke Kelly, who is, he teaches principles from the Mahamudra Buddhist uh, Tibetan tradition, but he teaches them in an awake awareness way. And he has a beautiful book called Shift into Freedom. 
Um, and you can do his, his audio version of that has what he calls glimpses or practices. And what they really are is they're about accessing your um, an awake awareness. So what he what we're talking about here is stepping out of ordinary mind. This is the way that most of us are most of the time is kind of thinking from this spot right here. Um, and that what you're really, what this practice is really about is, is stepping into this awake awareness um, and, and this awareness of our interconnectedness and tapping into that in a more direct way without kind of sitting on the mat in a cave for 10 years. Um, although I actually think, I mean, I think there's some really great value in longer meditation sits and there's, there's, oh my gosh, it's such a profound practice. But if somebody is resistant to that initially, another doorway to some of this understanding can be through things like, like what Locke Kelly is offering, um, in his, he's got some YouTube videos and practices and, and the courses I run, I, I work on, I teach people some of those practices and I'm actually uh, now uh, part of a group that's going to start working with businesses to bring these principles into the workplace um, and offer them through courses. So, um, uh, so that, I think that going to, to Locke Kelly's resources would be probably my best first, first step for that person. All right, great. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. So as we transition to a close, I just wanted to kind of throw it back to you so you can let us know what the best resources for contacting you, what you're offering, uh, how we can get in touch with you, follow up with you, things like that. But the, but if, as a final question or, or something to kind of get you to that is, what would you say that uh, specific challenges people have that they contact you about or that you are like an expert in helping people solve? Yeah. Oh, thanks for that. Thanks for that great question, Shane. So I, um, I see, actually I have a diversity of, honestly, I have a diversity of people I coach right now. Um, and a number of them just have an anxious, busy mind and they just want to be happier and want to learn how to not be so stressed. Um, and so I have a number of clients that I would describe kind of in that, in that place um, or just people with other, yeah, other general life challenges. Like I just feel kind of crappy and I just want to, I want to be happier. Um, so help me with that. So um, I love working with, with people that are in, that feel stuck in that place um, and want some help with that. So I, you know, I went into this thinking I might do a lot of meditation coaching and, and I would say actually all of my clients end up so far have ended up doing some type of meditation, even if it's a very short meditation in the morning as some kind of content, you know, practice to center and ground themselves. And so, so some, they're doing it on a spectrum of, you know, 10 minutes in the morning when they wake up to, you know, longer practices. Um, and I, I enjoy working with people across that spectrum, as well as people who want to dive into, you know, tracking their brain waves and uh, going kind of, how do I get deeper into meditation? Um, so yeah, so I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, I have run courses. I'm about to run, uh, help run a course um, uh, with a group called the Conscious Accelerator that will be coming out in a month or two. Um, so I'm going to do it in that group setting. Um, so 
yeah. So for right now, one-on-one coaching or some of these things to come or, or what you'll see from me. And, and um, I will note that I do a lot of writing and blogging. Uh, I have a Facebook community called the Heart Mind Alchemy Project. Um, and so you can search for that on Facebook and there's people posting meditation graphs and talking about consciousness and neuroscience. It's a really active group and it's been a lot of fun, um, to moderate, moderate those conversations. So if that's, if getting into this world of, of, um, you know, biohacking through devices like the Muse and, uh, heart, you know, inner math, uh, inner balance, and tracking that and sharing that data with other people on a, who are also on that journey sounds like something that you're interested in. Then come join us on the Heart Mind Alchemy Project. Love to have you. Um, and um, and then look for me on Medium. I publish articles every few months, blogs there on Medium as well. So um, yeah, would welcome welcome anybody. Please reach out if you're interested in coaching and let's have a conversation. And you know. Um, so yeah, see how I can help. Great. Thank you so much. So uh, I'd like just to, uh, I don't think I told you at the beginning, if you can just hang out after we end the call and then we'll do a little sure. afterwards. But, uh, but thanks everyone for joining us live. And for those of you who are listening to this recording afterwards or watching this on YouTube, we do guest expert calls the first and third Thursday of every month. And it's a rotational through all kinds of different industries and backgrounds. So uh, you can get on our mailing list by going to the solidnetwork.com and find out who the next speaker is or who an upcoming speaker is later in the year and find out someone who might be of interest to you. And we'd love to have you on the calls live. So that way, just like some of the guests we had today, they can interact with the guest expert directly and get their questions answered one-to-one. But even if you aren't able to join us, as I mentioned, we do send out the notes and we do send out an audio recording so you can hear the conversation that happened. So thank you so much. And if anyone would like to sign up to become a guest expert themselves, they can also do that at thesolidnetwork.com. So we'll see everyone in two weeks on the next call. Holly, thank you so much for teaching us about meditation and neuroscience. And thanks everyone else for joining us. Good night, everyone. Thanks so much, Shane. Really appreciate it. Scene one, Apple, take one. Hi, I'm Shane Borza, your content creator coach. I have two books on filmmaking, Film Notes, where you learn to write, direct, and produce, and the Film Notes Workbook, where you can learn checklists and paperwork to streamline creating your content. Available at shaneborza.com. I also have filmmaker resources like the Paperwork Bundle with over 300 documents, the Sound Effects Bundle, with almost 3,000 files, and the music bundle featuring 900 tracks of all genres. Want to build your professional credits? Become an associate producer and get listed on IMDb. Let me help you get your art out into the world. Scene one, Apple, take one. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Solve Network. As a reminder, these calls are held live on the first and third Thursday of each month. If you'd like to join us as either a listener or guest expert, please contact me at shaneborza.com. On behalf of my co-founder, Benjamin Goss, we're glad you are a part of the network and hope you are finding solutions. If you need solutions, please reach out.